0: On the idea of the price of holiness. The price of holiness. Now, we don't talk about holiness near enough in the church anymore. We're afraid of that topic. We think that holiness means that we can't connect with our society. But if there's anything our society truly needs today, it's a little bit of holiness. If there's anything that our society needs today, it's a little bit of holiness. Now, let me tell you something. Holiness is not what you wear. Holiness is who you are. Now, I am convinced that when you become who you need to be, you will wear what you need to wear. I am convinced that when you become who you need to be, you will wear what you need to wear. This idea that the new church doesn't need to worry about modesty and the new church doesn't need to worry about this reverence and respect and all these other things is a bunch of, as the Greek would say, hogwash. We need holiness that changes our heart. What we don't need is we don't need more legalism that tells us what we're supposed to do. Oh, I wish it was easy enough that I could just give you a list of do's and don'ts and that would make you okay. But I got news for you. You can do all the do's and all the don'ts and all that does is make you a Pharisee. But holiness is a state of heart. Open your Bibles with me, if you will. Amen. Romans chapter 6, we're going to begin reading in verse number 19. Yes, last week we we came from Romans chapter 6 as well. We may go back to the middle section of it for one of our future sermons. But here's what Paul writes of the Romans in chapter 6, verse 19. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then? In the things of which you are now ashamed, for the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin, and have become having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness, and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now. Lord, I thank you and I praise you for your power. I thank you and I praise you for your word. And Lord, I ask that as we move into this sermon, Lord, that you would get me out of the way, Lord, and speak your word directly into the hearts and lives of your people. Let every ear be attentive to the power and the anointing of your spirit this morning. Lord, I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. You may be seated. As I said earlier, we've come into a time in history where we don't talk about holiness because we've misunderstood what holiness really is. When holiness becomes religious, it loses its effectiveness. Religion is the ability to follow a rule. Relationship is the ability to submit to someone. See, our problem is we want to be religious. We want to say we follow the rules. We did the right thing. I'm right. But we don't want a relationship where we have to say, I give myself away. We don't want to submit ourselves to one another. I'm reminded of my marriage, our wedding vows. Where in my vows, we submitted ourselves to one another. We said in for richer and for poorer. We haven't seen the richer yet. But every time we thought we found the poorer, we find a little more. We said in sickness and in health. We had health when we said that. Now, have you ever watched me and Beth try to walk at the same time? I'm like, doing this, Beth, well, we're not even going to try to Beth. But um, both of us, we're stumbling around the house the other day. I said, we're going to have fun when we get old. I, I don't know how we're going to do this. We understand when we sit down in the evening now. And I know nobody else has this, but you sit down in the evening and you start hearing each other go, did you take your pills? And we start counting out all the pills we need. I used to make fun of my grandmother. She carried a blue purse full of medication. We always laughed at grandma's drugstore. I went somewhere the other day and I looked down and I had a big old bag full of pills. Told my mama I need to find me a blue purse. We made a vow, we made a submission to each other that when things got tough, we wasn't running out. What it means. Can I go and say what we heard on I'm going to say it. She didn't say I couldn't. We were sitting at Sonic Listen Radio and it was Was they were talking about marriage. And they said, in the marriage vow, it says to love and to cherish until death do you part. And this teacher that was talking on the radio said, now we sort of understand love. said, but do we understand what cherish means? He said, here's my definition of cherish. He said, cherish is when you love somebody enough and you care enough about them that when they're sick, You will clean up after them in the bathroom. You will wipe their butt. Oh, he said. Imagine that, the guy that does the daily butt said butt. Anyway, uh, too bad Gunner wasn't here for that. Let me tell you something. Why don't I point that out? Because we're okay with following rules. But we don't want to cherish. We don't want to get dirty. We don't want to do the gross. We don't want to do the difficult. We don't want to do the things that cost us something. But I got news for you. If we're going to truly find what holiness is, we got to get to a place that it becomes more than a group of rules. But instead, it's in richer and poorer in sickness and health to love and to cherish. God, I'll get dirty. I'll get my hands dirty. I'll go places where it stinks because I want to serve you. I have a relationship with your power. We need, we need holiness in the church again. We need to quit walking around acting like we're too good and we're too sanctified and we're too this and we're too that to have to worry about holiness. I got news for you. When we find holiness, it doesn't change our church services. It changes our home. When we find holiness, it doesn't change the worship time. It changes our personal devotion time. It changes our job, it changes our marriage, it changes our school, it changes our neighborhood, it changes our city. We need holiness. But what's the price of holiness? Paul here writing in verse 19, he says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. Just as you presented your, your members as slaves of uncleanliness and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, and so now present your members of, as slaves of righteousness for holiness. The first thing that we've got to look at to understand the price of holiness is we've got to look at what are we giving ourselves to? What is it that we are giving ourselves to? Let me tell you something. If you're giving yourself to the church, you're religious. If you're giving yourself to the church, you're religious. But when we begin to give ourselves to righteousness, we produce. When we begin to give ourselves to righteousness, we produce holiness. Here's what Paul says. He says, I'm speaking in human terms. I'm making this as simple as I can. Forgive me, but he says, I'm dumbing this down so you get what I'm trying to say. Jennifer, my slides aren't working. Help me. Thank you. I am dumbing this down so you get what I'm trying to say. He says, when you gave yourself to lawlessness and to sinfulness and to unrighteousness, when you presented your members as slaves to uncleanliness, meaning that everything you did was about the uh, uh, bringing joy to your flesh you didn't worry about consequences you didn't worry about eternity you didn't worry about whether it felt right or wrong you just worried about the moment you lived a YOLO life now let me move that into the rest of us that are not that young YOLO life is you only live once because Teenagers and young people don't know how to say full words. They just have to speak in letters. You're not a young person. I don't know why you did that. Anyway. uh, (laughs) All of a sudden, all of a sudden, we start living a life where we think we only go around once. I got to grab all the gusto. I'm in it for today. I'm in it for now. We present ourselves as slaves To unrighteousness, we present ourselves to slave to impurity. We present ourselves to slaves to lawlessness, and the result of that is more lawlessness. Have you ever told a lie? Don't lie. Have you ever told a lie and didn't realize you had to tell another lie because you had to cover up the first lie? And then you had to tell another lie to cover up that lie, to cover up that lie. They used to say, oh, a tangled web we weave when at first we do deceive or however it went, something like that. Practice to deceive, that's it. Let me tell you something. One sin leads to another sin. One sin leads to another sin. One drink, two drinks, leads to heavier drinks. In many cases, leads to drugs, heavier drinks. Why? Because the same things that we're trying to hide from with the first drink is what we have to have more and more to hide from. I've had friends who got caught up in drugs, and they told me I was down, I was depressed, I was hurting, and that one drug helped, but when I came down from that high, I needed more because I still had the original pain, but now I had the pain and the guilt of the drugs. And so I needed more, and then I needed more, and I needed more, and I needed more. Why? Because when we present our slaves ourselves as slaves to uncleanliness, it leads to more uncleanliness. But when we res- present ourselves as slaves to righteousness, slaves to right living we produce holiness so what are you giving your to what are you giving yourself what is it that you're giving yourself to are we giving ourselves to lawlessness are we giving ourselves to unrighteousness not right are we giving ourselves to our own desires are we presenting ourselves? Hear this: as slaves, righteous. Paul did not say present yourself as masters to righteous. See a Excuse me. A master is in charge. A master is in charge. A boss is in charge. I like being. Some people have accused me of having a con- being a control freak. I'm not. I just like to be in charge. And, and, and when I'm in charge of something, I can orchestrate it and tell people what to do. But I don't like being a slave. A slave goes be I've been an employee, and I didn't like being an employee either. When I'm an employee, they can tell me where to work, what to do, how to dress, how to do this, how to do that. When I was a youth pastor, I was an employee of the church. I worked for the pastor, and my pastor pulled me out on the stoop one day. We had a a door to the side of the sanctuary that was raised. There was a little wrought iron stoop there with stairs at first, and later we added a ramp to it. And that's where the pastor would meet me. We didn't have office. And he pulled me out on the stoop one day. And he says, D, T, T, I've made a decision. I'm really concerned. I want to make sure the image of our church is what I think it should be. But thank you. He goes, therefore, starting next Sunday, you will wear a tie. Uh, Pastor, I don't wear ties. I'm a youth pastor. He says, you're going to be a youth pastor that wears a tie. Every Sunday morning, you're going to have a tie on. Pastor, I've been here a year and I haven't wore a tie yet. Oh, but next Sunday, you're going to have a tie on, he says. I don't want to wear a tie. And he says... You can find another place to be youth pastor if you'd like. And I realized that I was not the boss. I was the employee. The next question I asked is, do I have to wear a white shirt? He said, no. I went and bought me the loudest colored shirts I could find. I wore a tie every Sunday, but it was on purple shirts and bright green shirts and orange shirts. Call that rebellious if you want. Let me tell you something. I didn't like being the employee, but a slave's lower than an employee. A slave has no say the connotation of being a slave says that you have been bought and paid for and it's not your choice. It doesn't matter what you want. It doesn't matter what you like. You know why we struggle with holiness? Because we struggle with the idea of being a slave to righteousness. We can't be holy if we're always trying to be in charge. We can't be holy if we're telling God what we will do and what we won't do. God, I will pray and I will sing, but I ain't singing that style song. I will, sh- I will pray and I'll go to the altar, but don't you make me dance, God. I'll pray, but I won't run, and I'll, I'll go to church on Sunday morning, but I ain't doing it on Sunday. No. when we start telling God what we will and will not do, we lose the office of slave to righteousness and we have no hope of holiness. That's all right, it's early. When we were free from righteousness. What happened? Look at look at verse twenty. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. When you were a slave to sin, you were free from rightness. Can I tell you something? We are destined, created, and formed to be slaves to sin. we struggle with this in america we're free the home of the free land of the land of the free and home of the brave we're not freedom doesn't matter what government structure we're in what political structure we're in freedom is something that goes all the way back to right and wrong And Paul here says, when you were a slave to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. When you didn't have to worry about if it was right or not, you whether you understood it or not, you were already a slave, but your slavery was bound to sin. Your slavery was bound to the wickedness in your life. You were bound by that. Now, we understand how many times our sin truly becomes chains around our feet and nooses around our neck because it drives us and it guides us and we can't break free. When we were a slave to sin, we were free from righteousness. When you were a slave to sin, you didn't worry about whether what you did was right or wrong because you were already wrong. You didn't worry about what people thought. People bring that into the church. Our lifestyle in sin, where we go, I don't care what you think. My, My niece... And nephew, nephew in all, whatever, nephew. We went and visited them a couple of weeks ago and got there, and they were watching this show called Live PD. And and now Pastor Brian used to watch that show all the time. And, and I'd always make fun of him. Oh, no, that's a crazy show. But my niece and nephew were watching, and I got to watch it, and guess what I've been watching? Since got back from home. Live PD. You know why I watch live PD? Because people are crazy. I love it. The guy goes, No, I'm not drunk, officer. (laughs) See? They're, they're, They're crazy. They and they yell. Police will get there and somebody's like, I didn't I don't care why. I thought, dear Lord, they sound like church people. Because we walk into the church and we hear a sermon or we hear a Bible lesson and we start going, I don't have to. Somebody's sitting in your seat. Ooh. I got news for you. We come in with this attitude that I don't care what people think. It's because we're still a slave to sin and we're free from righteousness and we don't care what's right. We don't need to worry about what's right, but we're destined to live the life of sinfulness. He says, when you were free, when when you were free from righteousness, you were living in sin. What fruit did you have then? Verse 21 says, what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of these things, death. He said, what was your fruit when you were free from what was right? It was the things you look at and go, wow, I was crazy. Why did I do that? Ooh, I could get some people telling stories right now. Oh, I bet Sister Connie could tell us a story or two. She ain't ever done nothing. I bet Sister Helen could tell us a story or two. She knew I was coming to her. Howard could take the rest of the day. But I'm not just picking on them because I could tell you a bunch of stories. Of things of which now I'm ashamed. That was the fruit of my sinful life. I could tell you stories, even from my childhood, of things that to this day hinder me and hold me back and cause me to struggle at times because they were the fruit of things that I did that I knew were wrong when I did them, but I was a slave to my sin. We carry emotional scars. We carry spiritual scars. Some of us carry physical scars as a fruit of the sinfulness that we've lived. But now we struggle with the idea of becoming a slave to God. We think we want freedom. Jesus got to talking about freedom one day. And the Jew says, oh, who are you talking to? We are of the seed of Abraham. We have always been free. That was the dumbest statement I ever heard in the Bible because at the time they said that they were under rule of the roman government you're not free right now jesus looked at him looked at them and said he who the sun sets is free indeed you don't know freedom until you know the freedom of jesus christ i preach a sermon i think i've preached it here i preach a sermon where i chained myself to the pulpit and I wrap it around my foot and I get a ten or twelve foot chain. Get away from the pulpit and the chain catches my foot. And I talk about how that most of us think we're free because we just stay only because we stay inside the length of our chain. You know what that sounds like? We ain't never done it like that before. Oh, I'm free! Long as we keep doing what we've always done, you see the fruit of slavery, to unrighteousness, death. He says here at the end of verse uh, twenty-one. He says, For "What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. There is no hope. There is no future." I tell you, most churches in America today, the only future they have is because they have no freedom from sin, they have no freedom from the desires in their life, they have not made themselves slaves to righteousness, but rather they've remained slaves to their past, to their sin, to their ego, to their pride, to their to their bigotry, to their to their to their to, to whatever it is, their addictions. And the only fruit, the only result of that slavery is death. My greatest fear as a pastor is is that too many of the people that set under my preaching are going to live their life, come to church, die one of these days, I'm going to preach their funeral, and they're still going to go to hell. Because they couldn't break free and become a slave to God. Here's what it says in verse 22. But now having been set free from sin, and having become slaves to God, you have your fruit to holiness. And the end is everlasting life. When we become slaves to God, quit telling God what you want, quit telling God what to do, quit telling God how this has to work. God, I know, I know, I know, I know. And God says, You don't know nothing. Sorry for my grammar. We have got to become slaves to God. You know what a slave says? Yes. 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 I preached a sermon several years ago about Noah. The Bible has no recorded words from Noah. Until after the flood. Which the in, in inference there is God said build an ark, the next verse said Noah built an ark. It doesn't record an ark. I don't know if he argued, but the Bible doesn't record it. Oh, how great would the story of our life be if somebody could write God told Anne to do this and she did it. But unfortunately, most of our lives is written. this God told Pastor Tommy to do this. there's another. When I was in St. Louis, Missouri, serving as youth pastor, fastest growing church west of the Mississippi, my wife and I had just bought a house. We had a baby, had our first child, and, and man, I was going. I'm praying one day, and God said, "You need to send resumes out. It's time to go." Now, if I had been a slave to God, I'd have said, yes, sir. And I'd have followed the will of God. But you know what my response was? Some of you have been around long enough, you've heard this before. My response was, do you know who I am? That's what I said to God. Do you know who I am? I am the senior ministry staff member at the largest church of God west of the Mississippi. I am going to stay right here until I pay my house off. And I am going to eventually become the associate pastor at this church. And when my pastor goes off to be in the general offices or whatever he's going to do at some point, by that time I'm going to be the next pastor of this church. God, you don't understand who I am. And God said, Uh huh. That was in October in January. I got called into the pastor's office. And the pastor said, "Look, we just bought this 2.1 million dollar building, and we still have to evict our tenants. That I later found out were all suing him because we were told when we bought the building that their leases were up, and then we found out that, I guess they found out that they had just re-signed leases. So for about six months, the church was landlord for two bars. That was sort of interesting. And they were going through all this stuff that we have to cut the budget." And guess where we're cutting it? Sunday, you're done. Your last service. You know what? I couldn't get mad because all I heard was, do you know who I am? I can't say God said it in an audible voice, but in my spirit, you know what I heard? I heard God saying, do you know who I am? Do, do, do you understand? Hey, eh. Hey. The reason we struggle with having fruit of holiness is because we struggle saying yes to God. Oh, well, pastor, I'd say yes to whatever God told me to do. Well, number one, you can't really say that because uh, the Bible says that, that you know, thy word I've hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's the word of God but yet you don't read your Bible. So there's number one. The Bible says pray without ceasing, and you can't even come to a church prayer meeting must just pray at home. The Bible says forsake not the gathering together the saints have become a habit of some. Oh, well, I come to church, yeah, you come to church as long as they're not a softball game or, or a fishing party at the lake. I know I'm meddling. Say something when you become a slave to God when you become a slave to God, you quit making excuses for what you're not doing and you start doing whatever God tells you to do you become obedient now that's a foreshadow to next week's sermon which is the price of obedience you you, you become obedient but the, pro- the victory is that what that that slave to God it gives us a fruit in holiness. The holiness, as I said before, is not about our clothes. Yes, God says go to church, you go to church. God says read the Bible, you read the Bible. If God says you need to go on a mission trip to Africa. You start raising money and go on a mission trip to Africa. Oh, pastor, I believe God wants me to go on a missions trip, and I believe it's going to happen. You got a passport? Well, no. Then you don't believe it. Come on. I believed in missions for years. Curtis used to tell me, you got a passport? No, I ain't got one yet. He finally looked at me one day and he says, Tommy, you can talk about how missions minded you are and how much you want to go on a mission trip, but until you do what it takes to get there, you really don't mean it. I got me a passport and I've had that thing in three or four countries. I was a little depressed because Mexico didn't stamp it. Forward, tell you something. We've got to get to a place that we become a slave to because the fruit of that is holiness, and it leads to everlasting life. This last verse, verse 23, says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. How many of you have memorized that verse? How many of you quote that verse all the time? How many of you understand that a lot of times we quote that verse out of context? The wages of sin is death, but the gift, the free gift of God is eternal life. Read the rest of the passage. You can't get there until you become a slave to God. What is the price of holiness? Your existence. What is the price of holiness? Your will. You want to know why we struggle with the idea of holiness? Because the only way we can get there is to give up our will. The only way we can get there is to become slaves to God. Where it no longer matters what we think. Do you realize if we really had the fruit of holiness in our life, there would never be another church split? Because we would be slaves to God, and we wouldn't really care what color carpet we had. We wouldn't really care what kind of seats we had. I'll go one step further. We wouldn't care if the preacher preached an hour or ten minutes, or an hour and ten minutes. See, I know some people like a preacher who preaches 10 minutes and some people like a preacher who preaches an hour. So I give them both. We wouldn't care if we sang hymns or if we sang the newest course out there. We wouldn't say, we wouldn't care if we sang music that was 150 years old or 150 days old. It wouldn't matter. We're slave to God. We want to glorify him. It wouldn't matter if somebody came in and sat down next to us that stinked, sunk, stink, thunk, thunk, thunk. It wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter if we walked in the church and the seat we've sat in for a thousand years, there was somebody else sitting in. I mean, I know that's hard in this church because I keep moving you. Do for one, but I got news for you. The reason we can't get the hole in, it, but when we're willing to, for the wages, sin. What's a wage paid for what you do, right? What's a gift paid for what you didn't do? Think into some of you about halfway through lunch and go. Oh! Wages is being paid for what you've done. Wages, what you've done is sinful, and that's that's the death is gone. the gift of God. What God gives you as a way. When we become a slave to Him, we give up our will to Him. That's already. We talked about The price of our freedom is the death of God. God, give I want somebody to come to PM. I'll tell you something. can't let this service go without a time. Because there are people sitting in this room right now that you're just religious. You spend all of your time explaining away why you don't need to do this or you don't need to do that. You spend all of your energy talking about that God made you this way and you're just going to be this way and God understands and you spend all of your life and all of your time trying to live your will and make God accept it. It doesn't work that way. You don't have to work at a relationship. You have to give in to. telling you, when you give in to the relationship, my relationship with my wife doesn't come because I work for her, and she likes it when I do, but it, that's not why we have a relationship. My relationship with my wife came when I gave myself, and I said, you, the only one for me. The your mind was important, but the I'm yours made the relationship. We give ourselves to God and we quit telling Him how He has to do it. And we just start saying yes. Yes, God. Yes. Yes, God. And when God pricks our spirit and convicts us for something, we don't try to talk our way out of it but instead we say, yes, God. Yes, God, I will follow you. I will serve you. I will do this. We walk by faith and not by sight. Because the fruit of our slavery to God is holiness. And the result of that holiness Here's what I want to do. I want to open these altars up. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna force you, I'm not gonna drag you. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, I just need to again say yes to God. I'm not even saying that this is a sinner's prayer. But you know you've not been saying yes. I need to get back where I used to be. Or maybe I need to get to that place I've always wanted to be. But I've never been willing to say yes. I want you to come to this altar. I want you to find a place around an altar, around the front, around this front, a couple rows, and I just want you to say yes. Yes. I will be your slave. I will do whatever you ask. Will you join me in the altar?